4: Hello and welcome to Level Up Human, the podcast panel show about making our species better. Evolution has got lazy and we want more. So with the help of our panel here, our audience, the Science Festival in Edinburgh, in Summer (laughs) Hall. One only person. (laughs) Are the rest of you English? What happened there? (laughs) Okay, with the help of our audience here and our panel and even suggestions from Mother Nature, her very self, we're trying to put together a design spec for the next human I'm your host Simon Watt and today I'm joined by three people who are going to be making our pitches. Immediately to my left we have got Gemma Flynn who will be selecting which of those pitches we will take back to our boffins and try and make this into the next stage of human. I mean what's next to the human race? I mean if robots take over the world it could force humans to send a soldier back in time to stop them from making any more Terminator films. <laughs> I can see that only as progress. Gemma, you are a comedian and criminologist. Yeah. So Gemma, what is the funniest crime?
1: Like a lighthearted murder or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Murder that's, you know, preceded by like slipping on a banana peel, something like that.
4: <laughs> is, is that why you have to do comedy, to try and keep it light? In way? Yeah,
1: sure. Stop thinking about victimisation okay. just constantly. <laughs> well, she's <laughs> going to be selecting
4: the ideas being put forward by our panel here. So next along there, we have got Eli Shepherd. You're a brain and computer interface expert. You're at the Edinburgh Center for Robotics. So you can tell us, when are the machines going to take over?
3: Uh, probably next Tuesday. <laughs> That's what I've got it penciled
4: in for. It's in the diary. I love yeah. that as an idea. Can you also tell us, why is there actually never anything in the bagging area? Why does that happen?
3: <laughs> Lack of sensors. It's just only a scale. It needs a camera.
4: Because I I count that as actual progress, if we can solve that. And to his immediate left, we're also joined by the Professor of Philosophy at the University of Stirling. It's Michael Wheeler. Michael, philosophy, what's the point? It's
0: to keep people up in the pub very late at night.
4: That's, That's a good enough reason. So we can see these people have expertise. They are going to be able to get excellent pitches for what we're going to be taking forward. But before we get into the realms of impossibility, uh, we're going to start off some news stories to show some of the really strange things which are already happening. So Eli, why don't you kick us off? What news story
3: have you brought along with you? Um, So I want to talk today about a group of scientists who are implanting uh, neural networks into the brains of rats to enhance their cognitive function. So that allows the rat to perform better in memory tasks. And even if they disconnect part of the rat's brain, it can still perform tasks that it shouldn't be able to do by offloading the task of that part of the brain to this uh, neural implant.
4: What is a neural pathway in the sense of computers? Because I can understand so, biology.
3: Okay. what we're talking about is basically a computer chip which has some code which is trying to simulate the way that the brain works. So we're taking data from one part of the brain, passing it through some circuits on the chip, and then passing it back into the brain. Just acting sort of as a relay, and it has a lot of applications so at the moment obviously we 're just talking about doing this in rats to it on quite novel tasks, but you could then apply this to humans with you know uh, cognitive disabilities, brain damage dementia that sort of thing and you could be looking at how we can use this technology to improve someone 's quality of life and then beyond that, we could look at actually enhancing the brain function of someone that's healthy so that you could have you know, superhuman intelligence, mm. that sort of thing.
1: Can you use it for evil?
3: I mean, of course. <laughs> all, all, no, tech, technology is neither inherently good or evil. You can use it either way. Mm. It, it's whoever's <laughs> using the technology cool. that is good or evil.
4: Just to get that final answer, though, how are these things powered?
3: Um, I would imagine in that case that it's external uh, power, but obviously, long-term, you're going to want something that is integrated fully inside, and then you could look at maybe using piezoelectrics, that's basically pressure, electricity generated from the pressure of blood vessels pressing on a device, that sort of thing.
4: That's terrific, and that's actually happening now. Well, wonderful. What about you, Michael? What news stories have caught your eye?
0: What's fitting? So I was struck by a story about a vest that lets you feel words. So this is a vest um, developed in Texas. It has a bunch of sensors on it that are like the mobile phone, uh, the sensor in your mobile phone that makes the mobile phone vibrate when you get a call. And what they do is they rig these sensors up so that they respond to particular frequencies. So when you talk, you produce words, those words have particular patterns of frequencies like musical chords. And what happens is you wear this vest and, and the various sensors respond to the frequencies. So you get a distinctive pattern of vibration for different words that are said. And so this is an example of what, what people call sensory substitution. So it's used in one sense to respond to another kind of sensory input. So here we have a kind of ambient sound input that gets turned into vibration, and that's called sensory substitution. Now, I mean, people are thinking here this could enable, as it were, the, the deaf to hear words. I mean, that's the, that's the long-term thought here. And the reason people think like that is that in other kinds of sensory substitution, um, you have cameras uh, that are mounted on the shoulders of blind people, And these cameras uh, pick up light and they produce patterns of vibration on the back or the abdomen of the blind person. And the blind person can then do things uh, on the basis of this input, such as count objects on the other side of the room. And we'll also have effects called looming effects. So when you see something and something takes up more of your visual field, you have a looming effect as it comes towards you. And blind people fitted with these sensory substitution devices actually have looming effects that's happening via the touch sensors on their skin. So that's for substitution.
4: So this is really helping an awful lot of people. I I do have to ask, though, actually, as you're saying, that um, you can feel words. In the way, some words are quite hurtful. Can you actually physically get hurt by a word now?
0: Well, that would be sure. You could you could ramp up the frequencies of the sensors mm. so that like yeah. unkind words really did hurt you. Yeah, <laughs> that's an taste of the technology. Yeah.
1: Where can I buy one of these vibrating vests?
0: <laughs> Actually, if you'd seen the picture of it online that I saw, you probably wouldn't want to wear it. Really? It's not fashion high sense, right?
1: I don't read it for outdoors. It's just for, for private time, really. High <laughs> there. It's, okay. it, kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's okay? Don't care what it looks like
0: if I'm honest. Vests
4: for personal use. Yeah, that's sure. <laughs> yeah, surely the most like you're, you're from Glasgow. That's the most. Glasgow Statement I've ever heard. That is like, for personal Yeah, it's, just, it's so very C in some ways, isn't it? It's just I'll perfect. take it. No, I'm all for it. This would be great. So, Gemma, now. Yes. We're going to take this forward. These people are going to pitch to you. What, these are the things that are already happening. Now mm-hmm. we're going to get a bit sci fi. What we'd like to see in the future, what or we'd love the next human to have. Mm. What kind of pitches are you hoping to hear? What would interest yeah. you? Yeah.
1: I just want to, in general, be excited to the point of, like, either violence or arousal, basically. (laughs) So please just go for it. And... uh... I've been reading a lot about how male scientists get distracted by women in the workplace. <laughs> so I'd like you to just make life better for, just pay payback, make life better for women, basically. I know you haven't prepared that, but just, I'm just gonna shove the gender element in there too. Yeah. So. <laughs> go for it. Um, but yeah, cause you know, it's tough being a lady. There's
4: so. a lot of apologies due there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, right.
1: and I am here to receive them, so please do <laughs> go
4: for it. So why don't we start with you, Michael? Would you want to
0: take forward your first pitch? What would you like to see in the next form of human? Okay, so I'm looking forward to a future where a lot of our kind of routine thinking tasks, like memory, are really just done by technology that we're intimately intertwined with, mobile devices that you carry around or whatever. And this is happening already, right, on a really small scale. Okay, so nobody now stores phone numbers in their brains, right, because they're stored in the mobile phone. But imagine you had tech that didn't just store the phone number, but also was pretty good at working out which phone number you need. There's some lovely stuff happening right now where you can, a device that works by mixture of surveillance, learning and prediction. So it learns all about you. It, it watches what you do, tracks what you do, and tries to predict the next thing that you'll need, information-wise, and then projects it into, uh, you could use it with a Google Glass system or something, project it into your visual field. So I'm thinking there's a future there where lots of routine thinking gets dumped off, offloaded onto this technology, and then we can use our brains to do much more interesting things, maybe a bit more philosophy or something. Mm. That's my future.
4: That, I, I find this like, slightly scary, because if you're going to be, like, I love it as an idea, but if you're going to use that kind of technology if there's any other people who will be able to influence that technology, such as, uh, we read an awful lot nowadays about nudge ideas, uh, mm. how people and governments and corporations are trying to shape how we think. Mm. Who, who, uh, how do you safeguard, I suppose, the
0: designing of these things? Is that even possible? So let me say two, uh, two things on this. One is, it's, of course, it's a good question. And so you, obviously, the sort of security front ends of these, things, these kind of things are kind of have to be... Incredible, But I have to say, if you think you're not influenced in kind of subliminal and unconscious ways by big corporations already, then you're living in a dream world. So I don't see it as a kind of step change in that kind of stuff. A
3: technology that is kind of already doing that sort of thing is is Netflix. Mm -hmm. So that's already... They have a huge amount of machine learning going Mm. on trying to predict what you're going to watch.
1: Movies with a strong female lead. Yep.
3: I'm sure that's one of your categories. Absolutely. Um, Top of the list. But... The way their business model works is they want you to watch cheaper stuff uh, because it's cheaper for them to rent. They don't want you to watch blockbusters. So they already are pushing basically weird stuff that maybe is related to what you like, but they're already doing that sort of tuning where, you know, we're not going to show you the the expensive stuff we have. We're going to show you the cheap stuff Mm -hmm. and hope that you choose to watch that because that's how we make money.
1: You tell me that movies with a strong female lead are not <laughs> <a> high quality. <laughs>
4: I <laughs> think they might be. Damn
1: you, it. Lindsay Lohan! <laughs> well,
4: it is a very odd thing. Like if it's saying because you liked There Will Be Blood, mm. we suggest miscongeniality. Like that doesn't have a <laughs> strong logic.
1: It does absolutely. It does. <laughs> you get me?
4: So you're suggesting an inbuilt hard drive, basically a way of.
0: Outsourcing our brain, would that be the way? Yeah, good? outsourcing our minds, if you like. Yeah. The brain stays in your head. Mm-hmm. Right? But you outsource some of your mental work. Yeah. Like
1: what kind of thing? Like
0: give me like a Okay, so I mean memory's a really good one, right? Because yeah. we already outsourced some of our data stuff on mobile phones, as I said. But but imagine if you've got tech that can do things. At the moment, right, it works like this. Your mobile phone stores the number. But you work out, your brain works out which numbers you ought to be looking for. Mm-hmm. The next stage is, and I say, IBM have already patented something that does something like this, is to outsource that kind of thing as well. So the, the tech starts to do more and more of the finding the right contextual information and just gives okay. it to you at the right time. Hmm. And that's the kind of, that's the way I see it going. And, and so you've got lots of neural resources that then don't need to do that kind of stuff. So could my phone, for instance, start to learn to just
1: delete all the numbers that have the name, like, bar guy, blonde hair? <laughs>
0: you well, maybe your phone chooses choose that it's really good for you not to have that phone. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's what night. I need. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Just,
1: if it's just go straight to recycle that one. <laughs>
4: but if it's learning from you, then your phone could well learn to drunk dial for you. Sure. Like it's in the same way that we funny. We were talking just before we started this recording about how recently there was a, a, a chatbot created which learned from the internet yeah. and therefore. Would you mind telling us more about that, Mike?
0: Yeah. So there's a chatbot that uh, was released and then pulled very quickly um, because the chatbot was rigged up with some very fancy learning uh, technology and algorithms which enabled it to learn from the people that interacted with it over the net. Unfortunately, the people that interacted with it either for a laugh or because they were unpleasant kinds of people, taught it a lot of stuff about how to be a Nazi and <laughs> you know, how to be very unpleasant, and that's what the chatbot learnt to be, so other people would interact with it, and it would be really offensive, so the company had to pull it really quickly. Mm-hmm. So, of course, if you're going to allow these, this, the technology to have learning capacities, it will learn from whatever it's, it's given access to, uh, and that is obviously a danger. So a like have children. To, We
4: have to be responsible to teach our technology to be nice to us. Exactly. One
3: thing that... Specifically with that chatbot, and that they should have done is that they should have had a higher level doing sentiment analysis on what it was learning from, so that it could go, is this appropriate, and then you could extend that to this,
4: you know, uh, Are you neural we, offloading. We're giving and, a, a chatbot a super ego, basically. Yeah, uh, well. it needs.
3: It's it's kind of what needs to be done if you're going to have. Any sort of artificial intelligence, it needs to be able to have a moral compass.
4: Mm.
3: That's quite important it, to avoid the end of the world. Really, is if you can give <laughs> it, a, if you can give it a moral compass, then it can decide what's the right thing to do, as opposed to what's the most statistically likely best thing mm. to do.
1: Could it give me a moral compass, like how do I, how do I access this this data? Yeah,
4: if we're going to go that far and we're going to be integrating it yeah. to like outsource memory, can we, can we outsource our morality? Yeah.
0: Possibly. Yes,
1: that is knackering, I've got to <laughs> say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm done with
0: that. I I mean, think the, interesting, the interesting thing is when people think about intelligent technology, they standly think about technology that is, is autonomous, right? Mm-hmm. It makes its own decisions. And, and that's the kind of thing you are thinking about with the chatbot. I think that... There's another way of thinking, and that's when people think about the technological singularity, which is the kind of creation of these super intelligent machines that will then create even more intelligent machines and eventually will do away with us. Because there will be these kind of useless info nodes that it doesn't need anymore. Um, that's the way people think about it. But there's another version of the technological singularity, which is where humans and technology are, are linked together in these sort of tight couplings of the kind that I was imagining. So there's a kind of cyborg you, if you like, which is a combination of the organic stuff you've got and the tech to which you're intimately linked. And that, then the question is are they going to become the next generation of human, of, of, of kind of intelligent creatures? Not just the the artificial intelligences, I'm not really convinced that kind of singularity is very close, but I do think the singularity in which there are some human beings who are linked with the technology in such a tight way that they become, if you like, superhumans in that way, I think that's much closer. That's
4: a great idea. So if the singularity is coming, we should be part of it. Exactly. (laughs) So uh, Gemma, uh, does that make the short list? This really
1: does appeal to my desire to just be much lazier, so (laughs) (laughs) that's great, I'll have more time to watch, for instance, Miss Congeniality 1 and 2, available on Netflix, uh, movies with a strong female lead, and uh, yeah, so yeah, stick it on, yeah, yeah, yeah. So
4: you've got got tough competition, Eli, can you tell us your pitch then? Mm. I feel like it's not anywhere near as interesting as that oh, one. So it, then. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: <Done.
3: laughs> uh, what I, w- I was going to propose would be a heads-up display actually in, well, I would say in your eye. It would appear, in, appear to you to be in your eye. Mm-hmm. So something like Google Glass, but obviously Google Glass didn't take off because it's so annoying having mm. to wear glasses. So instead of
1: it's pretty cool, t- come on. I mean, you yeah. look like a hipster. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a strong look. <laughs> it,
3: it does, it goes with my beard.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. Um,
3: but, you know, glasses are annoying. So instead of having Google Glass, why not have uh, directly something that is wired into your nervous system uh, and so that you could be connected to the internet and you could see, you know, you could look at someone and you could see their Facebook profile and you mm. could know all this information like about Terminacer.
1: them. Like Germany, sir. Yeah. Well, like yeah. in Terminator, yeah. they,
3: he always he has the heads-up display, and he it's got all his like, like what I should people, say people. Yeah. and like targeting stuff. Yeah, you could have that sort of thing yeah. in your eye, and you could you know you could look at someone and you could be like, oh, oh I don't want to talk to them. Yes. Nah. They've been they've been like
1: likes talk- the cheating. BNP on yeah. Facebook. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean. Um.
3: And then you know you could have it. Oh, I've you know you got to sit a test or something. You could you know look at your test, do some. Handwriting recognition whatever it mm. and it goes okay quick Google and here's
4: the answer. Yeah, and you know so you
1: can, you're just ending skills <laughs> yep. like, yeah, we're, look,
4: we're looking for things that everybody will have so if everybody has this 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 network this ability to see all the information about everybody I Suppose how much do we need what why is this information useful?
1: Because you could be like single, single, married, single.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just the imagining. <laughs> I'm just picturing you swiping left by <laughs> yeah, shaking your head no. hard, violently. pass,
1: <laughs> like.
4: Actually, we need, I look the fish. Which first I do arm. with my eyes anyway, but I mean, <laughs>
1: <it's like.
4: laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. So are we are we going to lose an awful lot of the subtlety of human communication if well, we do these things? Well, one thing we're seeing like
3: with just social media is people. Uh, you know, people worry that like the younger generations who have grown up with social media, they're not going to be able to sort of protect their pasts. Hmm. Um, and you know, we saw this with, when uh, Mary Black was elected; that hmm. they went through her Twitter feed from when she was 16, and it had stuff talking about how you know she got drunk and yeah. had a had a massive night or whatever.
4: Hmm.
3: And it's like, well, yeah, she was 16, but of course, when we were younger. Um, we didn't have the social media, we didn't necessi- we didn't, it wasn't saved. So yes. we probably, people would have to either learn to be a lot more savvy about what they put online, yeah. or people would just be more honest um, and less, it would become less of an issue. People wouldn't see it as a problem that when you were 16 you went out drinking because.
1: Mm. Would they see it as a problem if I was like super into the band 911? Like, would they know <laughs> about that?
3: Can I
4: feel d- I feel like
3: that's a personal issue that you've.
1: Sure, got. I'll, I've, I've worked through it. It's okay. <laughs> can I ask, can
4: I ask another thing, and this makes me sound like I'm really really guilty for something, but but where does being anonymous come into this? Like I I, uh, I I quite like the idea of of not being known. I mean I live in London now, which is the most anonymous place you can imagine, and it's blissful because when I go home to Northern Ireland, everybody knows my granny. Like that's that's <laughs> the kind of way it is, and it's awesome. But it's it's. The, the, what, is there such a thing as a like, right to be forgotten, particularly if these, internet, if these technologies advance? Well, OK, so let's,
3: let's imagine this situation you have a switch that says, OK, no information, you, there's a blank profile. You could, ha, you could choose to have that.
4: But then it'll look dodgy. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. So
3: you're probably better off hiding in plain sight and just being like, yeah, it's all out there, and then no one cares. But, because but, okay. if, I the, if I can see everything about everyone, then I, I, I don't, why would I care about you as an individual? <laughs> unless I'm really already interested in
4: you. But but it sounds like you're trying to turn everybody in that case into a personal PR magnet. <laughs> like that you have to understand look, look, this self-awareness, is that is that bad for us? Is knowing everything about ourselves and other people is is that good? I think audience it, looking blankly at me. Yeah. Actually can we do a survey? Hands up if, you, if if you would agree with that statement. Who would like to be a bit more anonymous in the world? Okay, and who running. wants sorry, all the anonymous yeah. people shouting? Yeah, <laughs> I, don't know, I have to
0: answer
4: that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. You've just defeated yourself of irony there, haven't we? <laughs> by by self-confessing. Who would like actually? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds.
2: At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
4: Okay.
1: You seem nice.
4: <laughs> nice, yeah. nice or nosy. Like, that's the thing. Is we just can't yeah, tell. Sure. Where's, the, where's the boundary? So, anyway, oh, okay. Oh, well.
1: Ask your granny. <laughs>
4: <laughs> the pitch is a top-down display, specifically sharing information about everybody. Yeah. Okay. Mm. What do you think, Gemma? Will that go on the shortlist?
1: I think so. I mean...
4: You're not worried about assorted history or
1: anything? Uh, well, could you edit? <laughs> I recently read the Dave Eggers book, The Circle, so, guys, yeah, that's right, I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, that was about the kind of worst possible end result of this, like, if you just put out so, so much information, then yeah, you can never be anonymous, and it's hmm. something happens with a big shark tank, I don't know, I skimmed it, but I mean, <laughs> basically, it does sound kind of hellish, but in many ways really good. Because I often walk past people in the street and I, they'll be like, Gemma, what up? And I'm like, you, <laughs> how are you doing? Yeah. And then in this case that wouldn't mean, seem so rude. It
3: would, it would solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Although they'd yeah. be like, why, why is she looking up? Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, yeah. We're going we're to
4: have to leave it there because you're basically turning a, a loss of privacy into the most British thing just to avoid social awkwardness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so We've had suggestions from our panel. Gemma has passed both of them. What about our audience <laughs> here at Edinburgh Science Festival, here in Summer Hall? in the room? Have they come up with anything? Michael, has anything caught your eye? Yeah,
0: I I love this one. Who's a by? Because we might go to. I, I haven't got an idea. No, name. so Michael's I'm going to read it out. Uh, so uh, it was. What I like about this is the second part, right? So the first part is great. See in the dark. Okay. That sounds mm. like a great thing to be able to do as a human being. But I love the reason to cut down on energy costs in, on lighting in the winter. So, as it were, you know, <laughs> not to commit super crimes, and no, and no, but, but something really practical. I like that. No, I think that, that's
4: really onto something. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people of the sort of transhumanist movement, the people who want humans to control their own advancement, who are actually arguing for it on an ecological basis that we could avoid climate change perhaps by adapting ourselves. So... Look, that's the ultimate version of energy-saving light bulbs, isn't it? It's not to need them.
0: You'd like to see in the dark, would you, Michael? See in the dark? I'd like to see more. I'd like to see smaller things, particularly. You know? You'd know.
1: you like to see magnified in the dark. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's right, yeah,
0: yeah. So I want to see in the dark, but I want to see, I'd like to see very small things. I think that's something I always wanted to say. Like having a super microscope in yeah. your visual system. That
1: would oh, also good. be good for ladies. <laughs> <laughs> That one's a thinker, but I mean, please do enjoy it at your leisure.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, seeing, seeing in the dark does that make the short list then?
1: Would you like that? Yes, that's top. Top of the list. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> My We're motivations are now super clear. Yeah.
4: <laughs> um, what about the ones from the audience that you think about, sure are
1: they? Um Yeah, I had a really great one here which said, everyone just drops dead at the age of 65 because sustainability.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, wait a minute. By whipping, is there anybody here in the audience over 65? Again, by whipping, not
1: <laughs> A few nods. There's, there's a few nods.
4: We're, we're not going to ask you to justify your existence, okay? Because I think. No, because I think it's awesome. I entirely disagree. I think we need to live longer.
1: Yeah, I won't forward. put that one on the list, ladies.
4: Because, because actually, I found this really interesting. Old people, in terms of. So, from a biological perspective, most animals kind of go along. They're born, they live, they have kids, they die. That's it. Humans are special for living beyond that and that's how we've got culture and things because before we had the internet, our elderly were society's libraries. They knew all the stuff. They could remember all the way back to drought and keeping them alive was one of the things that makes humans humans and mm. one of the things that makes us better.
1: But worthy the society's Netflix as well. So that's
4: uh, that need. Net, yeah, we're, we're, okay. Netflix is good. People over 60 are better. Sure. 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 Yeah. And they should make more films to prove it. Actually, combine those two things together. Yeah. So, okay, people living, dying early. That was dark, man. That's not no. going on at... <laughs> <laughs> but seeing in the dark is... Eli, did anything from our audience
3: catch you? Um, so I've got one from Mitch that I think he should come and read out. Is
2: Mitch in the audience? I'd like to have the, the, the bubble fish in my hair, to be able to understand all the, the languages in the world. And and be bubble able fish
4: the bubble fish. Mm. No, this is this is the uh, the creature from Douglas Adams. Yeah. From, from the
1: Brad Pitt movie. There's <laughs> <laughs> a Brad Pitt movie. Called Babel.
4: Oh, great very very. I'm not as good, surely. As well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Actually, why did you pick this, Eli? Uh, why one did one one? this catch your eye? Thank
3: you. Well, I like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Ah. Um, but I just think being able to. Uh, understand people would be really useful, especially if you take this a step further. So instead of just translating languages, if it translates what people actually mean, Hmm, that's uh, such
1: a scientist answer. Like, oh, great. I It'd can't be understand though. humans. <laughs> like, <laughs> like. <laughs> I'd love to be able to talk to people in a conversation. Like. That's, that's, not, that's not a scientist
4: thing. That's a man thing. Oh. Agreed.
1: Agreed. <laughs> okay. Okay.
4: Can I can I can I question this? Because actually, first of all, that couples very very well with the top down display idea. Because yeah. Google is working on hmm. simultaneous translation stuff. Is that correct? Uh. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, Do you know how, how does that work?
4: Can you fill us so, in the ideas?
3: Uh, I'm not sure specifically how Google are doing it, but um, one area that I've looked into, which is kind of quite close to my research, is automatic translation with um, deep neural networks. And that basically tries to just directly map from one language to another. So you have kind of, the way neural networks work is you put some numbers in and you get some numbers out at the other end that hopefully have some meaning to them. Um, And you can do that, you could have put in a sentence in English, and then hopefully what you get out at the end is a sentence in French with the words swapped around into the right order. Um, and one of the hardest things is dealing with long sentences, with lots of, of like, uh, where grammar later on in the sentence is important early on, in the, with to words early on in the sentence, and that sort of thing.
4: Um, so currently it's translating from French to Yoda rather than French Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that
3: yeah. sort of thing happens a lot, and... Because of the nuances of language, you get not even to Yoda, just to, that's not at all what I meant. Mm. Um, where it's, you know, because mm. it goes, it gets a word and it translates that one literally, and you've got some sort of strange phrase mm. in one language that if you translate it literally doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's trying to map that sort of thing is very, very mm. difficult.
4: So because of context and culture and things, I mean, oh, yeah. no, okay, now, mm. Gem, I'm going to have to ask you, because Mitch and Eli both like this, and this notion of translating to actually give truthful meaning, I, because as a comedian, mm. surely that utterly destroys your acts, because duplicity is a very important (laughs) part to comedy. yeah, so that
1: is not going on the list. Um, But also, I don't really understand how you could ever do that. Like, you've explained that that's really, really hard and impossible, so... It's hard, (laughs) it's hard, it's
3: not impossible. So, it's typically hard with um, feed-forward neural networks. It's less difficult, again, with recurrent neural networks, so that's where you let, you kind of take time into account, and then there's further classes of recurrent neural networks that use special structures that are even better at it. So this
1: is I do need the translation this, machine, like, now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, tra- I'm trying not to go that would be useful full, currently.
3: Full, full scientist on you here. Yeah. That's um, a mission not accomplished. It's, <laughs> it's a work in progress, and it's something sure. that we will have very soon is probably full machine translation where you will be able to you know, go to Google yeah. and say translate this sentence and it will give you a perfect.
1: OK. But then maybe I could have like world dominance. Chinese.
4: Oh, wait a minute. We, if you're going to say, we need a mic to you so we can record Cheers. that. Sure.
1: Can you work
0: in translating it into Chinese? Is it um,
4: it's well? theoretically
3: possible. Um, obviously, languages like French and English have a lot of similarities, so it's a less difficult problem, but there's no reason why Chinese wouldn't be feasible in the future. So, Sounds like certainly. a no. <laughs> no. No for now, but, you know, give it some time, yes, possibly.
4: Okay, so if we're going to take this a little bit, like add this even further, and actually, Michael, I'd, I'd love to hear what you think of this, because this notion of perhaps translating in, intention as well is very, is very hard, because like, something like poetry, for instance, mm-hmm. it's nearly impossible to translate from one language to another and keep the multi-layers
0: and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think there's different ways you're thinking about this. I mean, when... One of the great joys, surely, is, is, as it were, learning another language, reading another language, mapping it into your own sense of meanings and things like that. And it's it's kind of like the, if you go back to the kind of Hitchhiker's Guide idea, you know, there's this other part of the Hitchhiker's Guide, which is, you know, philosophers spent a lot of time worrying about the meaning of life and then you build a computer that tells you, you know, what the answer to the meaning of question the meaning of life is. You build a computer that kind of gives it to you. And I kind of worry about that here. It's like, you know, it's, it's factually and practically and scientifically, it sounds like a wonderful thing just to be able to land in a foreign country, switch on your Google Glasses and understand what everybody's saying. Mm-hmm. But somehow, you know, there's a little bit of that thinks that takes the mystery out of things, and the same with kind of poetry. Do you think and things like Possibly,
3: that. actually, something gets lost in translation as well. And even if it's a perfect literal translate, like it tells you the exact meaning. You, you don't necessarily get the cultural background. Well, you it's don't...
0: quite interesting. When people uh, translate books from one language to another, of course, they don't literally translate sentences yes. you know, word for word and phrase for phrase. They often have to find other ways to put it that in the language into which they're translating captures the right sense, the right meaning, the right emotion, the right feeling. And right. I think that's the thing that's problematic here. Um, so I think this is, it's all natural language processing. I mean, way back when I you know, was involved in my, my sort of undergraduate days in artificial intelligence, this was seen as one of the, the things that was really hard, and people would sit there and say, it's really hard, but we will get there. And the way of doing things has changed. Um, now it's, you know, lot, throwing lots of statistics at things, and, 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 but it's still a really hard problem. I think language is one of the great mysteries that we still don't know quite what to do with.
4: Yeah, maybe it's what's actually happening naturally in, in science, because science almost has an international language. We, we agree on... We agree on things. As I'm a biologist, uh, we know that we have the same word in North America and South America and Asia, no, Europe, because we've got Latin and Greek for all our species. Mm-hmm. There's a guy called Lancelot Hogben, who's a bit of a, a hero of mine, and he thought Esperanto was good, but what it should really do is be based on biological terminology. And he was slightly right. So he created a language called Interglossa, mm-hmm. and in a way, we have that for science. So maybe. We have our Google Glass style. We have our top-down display translation for surgeons and for people who really, really need it. But then we switch off as soon as we get to art or something. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Would that be an answer? That's all right. All right, we're going to have to kick on. So uh, anyway, I'm afraid that's been taken out. Sorry, Mitch, because that would destroy all comedy and Gemma can't have her livelihood going down the drain. (laughs) So we've had suggestions from our panel. We've had suggestions from our audience. Now we're going to take some suggestions from Mother Nature Jamma, can you describe what this thing is here? It's called a slime mould. What are you seeing? Tell the people at home.
1: Um, it's sort of like, it looks like a map or something almost. It looks like a map from, from high up, really, really high up. <laughs> I don't know, it's like when you're above a city on an aeroplane and you see just lights. But exactly. also it's the same, it, look, it also looks kind of slimy like a bogey or something, you know, <laughs> like there's some sort of...
4: Indeed, it does look like a very organised snot.
1: Yes. yes. Yeah.
4: What would you steal from these creatures?
1: Um, Any ideas? just their general razzle My- dazzle. Like
0: <laughs> I, love their energy. Basically,
4: <laughs> that's what I'd steal. As well as an aesthetic sense, I
0: can see you're nodding there, Michael. What would you well, take? Well, yeah. so the think about slime moulds is you can actually get them to do quite smart things. I mean, I and mean, the nice thing is they—if you think of them as Doing computation, which some people do when they try to understand what they do, so you think about this whole thing you know, moving around as like as computing what to do in response to its inputs. They're really great in the sense that they're very robust to damage, and uh, and that's because they're they're sort of they're, their intelligence is distributed over the whole kind of. Slime mold. That's a really great thing, right? Because that makes them really robust to damage and things. And our brains are a bit like that. We're quite, they're quite good, but they're not as good as slime molds at that. You're, so I'd have more distributed intelligence. You're
4: mm. spot on, Michael, because not only is this distributing, these, these, this is a map of uh, slime mold, and each of the dots on this map is a little oats flake, which the slime mold's been feeding on, and it's been positioned in uh, urban centres around Tokyo. And the slime mold is almost Completely and accurately recreated the Tokyo rail network. Mm. So, this is a creature which (laughs) it 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 spread out. Sorry? It was a map. It was a map. You got this exactly right. It's a map built by a slime mold. And it has worked at the optimal routes between all the different food stations. So, I thought, as AI people, uh, do you think you could learn something? So
3: So, they're actually using it, you could use it for sort of like path planning. Yeah. That's cool.
4: Would, would, would you like i I'm not saying evolution is better than your AI. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I mean, well,
3: we have genetic algorithms, um, and one of the things that they are typically really good for is that sort of... where you have a complex task, like path planning, uh, where you have lots of destinations that you need to figure out how to go to. So we already, in terms of AI, do look at this sort of thing for inspiration of how can we emulate evolution to get a good solution.
4: I love it.
0: Computers and slime together at last. Right. Actually, one of the neat things about, to say about genetic algorithms is so these are algorithms that are inspired by Darwinian selection. So you, have, you start with a bunch of sort of random solutions and you pick the one that does anything like looks like it might move towards the solution that you want and then basically you encode that as a bunch of genes and you do things like crossing over genes that are a bit like sexual reproduction and you do little mutations. You do another population, you pick the ones that look the best and amazingly although not that amazing if you think it's working like Darwinian evolution, these things can actually produce solutions to problems. And they're very good at optimization tasks, so engineering. What's interesting, yes. of course, you end up with something quite regularly that you don't really understand how it works. And it's a bit like looking at an animal or looking at a neural network in a real animal brain. So you have to try and figure out post hoc exactly what it's doing. And, yeah. and there's an interesting question there. We know they work, but sometimes the solutions, we don't really understand how they work. And that's
4: particularly interesting, because like I'm an evolutionary biologist, and the thing I love about that, because I love the fact that it works, but we also know that evolution has no perfection. Mm. It only gets an idea good enough. Yeah. How do we make these well, things better?
3: What, so, with genetic algorithms, one problem they have is sort of, they'll converge to the local maxima as opposed to the global maxima, so they won't... What uh, come, does that mean? Come on, tell us. So, the, the, the global maxima would be the the pinnacle, the best thing possible, and as you said, evolution doesn't really have a best thing possible, but they, they tend to get to sort of points where it's like, it's really good. It's better than everything else around it. Mm. But is it the best? And it's, it's really hard to know if that's the best solution. Yes. Um, and it's really hard to, you know, find better solutions, which stuff like, so uh, Michael was saying about um, applying mutation, that can help because that can, you know, get you to a different part of this sort of, solution space where you can look for a new solution yes but you know at some point you have to say i've i've been running for generations and generations i've got a solution that already works it might not be the best solution, but it definitely works. I'm just going to go with it.
1: So this is like miscongeniality two, but we wanted to be like miscongeniality one, <laughs> ideally. Yeah,
3: that's
4: I couldn't have summed that up better myself. Thank you. <laughs> so would you, is that on the shortlist? Slime mould writing miscongeniality three?
1: Um.
4: I love this. I know there is an AI out there already. I think it's in Japan, which has got nominated for a literary prize, and they, they used. What was the word you used? Genetic algorithms. Genetic that algorithms. That I think they used genetic algorithms oh, cool. to help it make that.
1: To write a book.
4: To write a book, and it got nominated for a.
1: Was it what kind of book was it? What were we talking?
4: <laughs> I've never a Japanese book. It's the reason why I don't oh. know. It's it's not in my language. Written
1: but. by a slime.
4: Uh, no, by an AI. But by like an AI. Following these similar With processes. Slime.
1: A slimy robot. A slimy a robot. robot. <laughs> and it's. Like an award-winning book. <laughs> that's
4: what you me. It was, it was entered. It didn't win, but it, ah. it got in the shortlist. Okay, that's impressive. That's amazing. I really recommend these things. Actually, seen Another one. If, if uh, when you go home, I really I love this. It's one of my favorite websites. If you look up the um, the uh, New York Times has an. It's a cracking website. It, <laughs> it has an AI which scans all of its articles for accidental haikus. <laughs> that's. And they're, they're gorgeous. Like, they do have an editor who goes through and he, he discards ones. Or I think it's a he. I think he discards ones he doesn't like. Or there might be a couple of different editors and they look at these things. But then they're really quite cool. Look them up. I love them. So is that going ahead or not? Is that in the I, I don't shortlist?
1: understand really well.
4: <laughs> well, I think that's a no in that case. OK, so sorry, Gemma. Okay, We're no. out of time. So you're going to have to make some choices here. We right. had a couple of the suggestions you've given the go ahead to. OK. So there's outsourcing our memory, Michael's suggestion that we uh, give more tasks over to AI. Then we had Eli's suggestion of a top-down display to avoid social awkwardness, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. And then we had seeing in the dark.
1: Slicing your two together? Like. Well, actually, so think so yeah, you yeah. actually would work really well <laughs> together
4: as this is an evolutionary podcast, we allowed hybridization. so if you've got a hybrid of those two ideas you want hybrid to move forward, yeah, The it.
1: slime and the robot together
4: metaphorically. Make you <laughs> Who well have you happy. just called the slime in the panel? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a robot,
1: definitely. Don't like, <laughs> so sorry, you're the slime. But been said before,
0: don't worry. <laughs> <mind. laughs>
1: if you're lucky, you might get nominated for an award, a, a book award, but not when, in Japan. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, splice, splice it. Mm-hmm. Shove them
4: together. So you're using the outsourced memory together of a top-down display to give you all the information you need. Ladies and gents, you heard it here first. That will be the idea. We'll take <laughs> off to our fictitious boppins and pretend that we actually can do something about this. But maybe one day, technology's moving on. This might be taken seriously in the future. You really never know. <laughs> So before we go, please, I'd love you to give a warm round of applause, not just to Gemma Flynn, who's given us her suggestions, but to our experts, Eli Shepherds and Michael Wheeler, but also the amazing audience here at the Science Festival in Edinburgh, here in Summerhall. It's been lovely talking to you. I've been Simon Watt. This has been Level Up Human. <laughs> that was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheeley and supported by The Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to leveluphuman.com.
2: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.